Today we continue our series in the parables of Jesus. Our parable today is one we reflected on not that long ago, if you're a member of the Inverell Church family. This is the parable of the unmerciful servant. Uh, it's a message, though, that is worth repeating, and it's a text that's worth reflecting on again. So let's bow our heads and ask for God's help as we do that. Loving Father, we ask for your help. Uh, speak to our hearts and minds that we would grow in Christ Jesus, that we would live as your kingdom people with your kingdom values. We ask for your help in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the big question this text deals with is how many times should we forgive a fellow Christian who sins against us? As Jesus in chapter 18 of Matthew's Gospel, as he's talking about church life and salvation and discipline and repentance, this is the question that comes to Peter's lips. And you'd think Peter's suggestion of seven times, that's verse 21, you'd think that would sound pretty good, even generous. I mean, for some, we have enough trouble forgiving once. But Jesus responds to Peter by saying in verse 22, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, as you think about Jesus' response, not seven, but 77, have we heard that before in another part of Scripture? Have a, have a think about that. Does your mind go back to Genesis chapter 4, where we meet a character by the name of Lamech. Yeah, that's right, Lamech. And Lamech, man, he's a piece of work. Uh, he is wild with revenge. And Lamech says, he sings a song, he says, if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech is avenged 77 times. And here in this story today, Jesus comes along and flips that kind of thinking completely on its head. The unlimited revenge of Lamech is undone with the unlimited forgiveness of Jesus. Gets you thinking about the Greek legend Achilles, if you know him. Revenge was a distinctive characteristic of Achilles. And revenge is the badge of every hero since. All of our heroes are hell-bent on revenge. Maybe you find yourself dreaming about revenge. Payback. Maybe we cheer with self-satisfaction when so-called karma comes around and people get their apparent just desserts. But Jesus here teaches that it is far more heroic to conquer revenge by offering forgiveness. When Jesus says not seven but Seven times 70 or something like that. It's a way of saying that our forgiveness 
of a repentant brother or sister, we're not to put limits on that. We're not to keep count. The measure of our forgiveness is to be infinite. Why? Because forgiveness is a key attribute of the kingdom of God. It speaks deeply to God's character and who he is and what he is like. Now, it was uh, November and January last that in Varel, we had eight talks on the topic of unpacking forgiveness. I think it was eight. And we finished with this passage, actually. And so the question for us today as we revisit the topic is, how is it working out for you, this topic of forgiveness? What business has God done in your heart in this regard? I mean, there's always somebody on our list, isn't there? And really the question isn't, it's not, have you reconciled? The question isn't, have you forgiven each other? Repentance must play its part in all of those things. The question then is, how's your willingness to forgive? If we are responsible for our part in relationships, well, how's your part working out as you think about this topic? Are we carrying a disposition, a willingness, a soft-heartedness to forgive? To want the best for other people. To do the right thing persistently even when others do the wrong thing. Are we like our Heavenly Father who extends the offer of forgiveness to all? That's what God is like, isn't it? In the giving of his Son... God the Father who loves the world, who sends his Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Can you see God sitting on the edge of his throne with his arms out, always willing to forgive? And as you think about the character of God like that, is that you? Is that who you are? Is it who we are? as God's kingdom people, always ready to extend the invitation of forgiveness. And then there's the story. We heard it in the Bible reading, read out for us just now. If you need to pause and read over that, uh, this parable again, please feel free to do that. Make sure you come back and don't mistake the fast forward button for the pause button, okay? Uh, but as we've heard, a wealthy king freely forgives a servant who owes him a ridiculous amount. It is a ridiculous amount. 10,000 talents. To the original hearers, this is a ridiculous amount of money. It's like several billions of dollars to us today. It's incomprehensible. Incalculable is the debt. Incalculable is the measure of God's forgiveness. And so... Having the debt paid, the servant walks through the palace gates. He runs into a man and what's the first thing he does? He runs into a man who owes him comparatively less, like a hundred denarii, a few thousand dollars. 
It's literally a small fraction of what he owed the other guy. And what does he do? Well, grabbing the man by the throat, he's ready to resort to physical violence and over the pleas of the man for mercy, the forgiven servant throws him into the debtor's prison. The king hears the man's gross inconsistency and the king is furious. And on the one hand, we read it and we are too, aren't we? To trigger a sense of indignation about this response. And it's not a wrong reaction, it's actually a right reaction, because this is simply outrageous. But we need to be careful, don't we? Because the charge of inconsistency here is a charge of hypocrisy. And that's always a little easy. And it's a little too self-satisfying when we do that, don't we? It's like the charge, you've, you've heard it, I don't come to church. It's full of hypocrites. Have you heard that? It's a cheap line that accuses Christians of being inconsistent. It's an easy charge to make. Of course, behind the charge is this self-righteous position that the person speaking and making the claim is not. And so when people say, I don't come to church, it's full of hypocrites, maybe the right answer, the right response then is, hey man, there's always room for one more, why don't you join us? And that's the other side of the parable, isn't it? All of us are inconsistent. Do we practice what we preach consistently all the time? particularly on the subject of forgiveness. If you, as you experience outrage and indignation towards the unmerciful servant and get your sugar bowl handles on and tut, 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 can you actually see that he's a mirror of us, of you and of me? Particularly on the subject of forgiveness. And so this parable judges us. If especially if we harbour an unforgiving spirit ourselves. It's all there in verse 35. Now we need to be careful here. What is Jesus not saying? Christ is not saying we are forgiven based on the merits we get from forgiving others. He's not saying that. He's not saying that people can lose their salvation once they've been truly forgiven. He's not saying that. This story is not offered as an in-depth exposition of the ins and outs of how we are saved. It's not what it's about. Christ is not speaking here about the way of salvation. He's talking about the results of salvation. He's talking about the fruit of salvation. Within the larger context of this chapter, Jesus has been telling his disciples how to confront, discipline and how to receive back brothers and sisters who've offended. Receiving forgiveness inwardly compels us, it moves us to forgive. Think about King David in 2 Kings chapter 9. There's a story there. 
uh, where David receives mercy from God and he in turn looks for someone to whom he could show the mercy of God to. It's a good story. The point is that God's mercy to us makes us channels of mercy to others. God's grace to us makes us channels of God's grace to others. God's forgiveness of us makes us channels of God's forgiveness to others. What we receive flows out of us through to others as part of our witness. As God has blessed us, so we go out and we are a blessing to others. As God has loved us, we go out and we show that same love, that God-shaped love, that sacrificial love to others. That's why it works. When Christ spoke this parable, he's on his way to the cross. It's only because of his one sacrifice on the cross that there can be any forgiveness for any sinner. And from the crucified Saviour flows the power to manifest this forgiveness to others in the community of faith. The power to forgive does not begin and end with you. It does not start and finish with you. The power to forgive begins and ends with Christ, Jesus, our King and our Saviour. It is the good news of the Gospel that in Jesus Christ, Psalm 130, that psalm that we had read out for us, it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We can praise, cry out to God with confidence now, with the words of the psalm, and we can cry out, with you, Lord, there is forgiveness. It's true, not everyone who thinks he is forgiven is actually forgiven. But that is not because of a shortage of forgiveness with Christ. We find it very difficult to forgive the same person three times, much less seven times. But in God's mercy, Jesus casts all the sins of his people into the depths of the sea. That's Micah chapter 7, verse 19. Notice that mercy without judgment is not scriptural. This is seen in the king's final treatment of the servant. Yeah, God is a God of profound mercy. Exodus 34 tells us. Let me uh, pick it up at verse 4. Moses is on Sinai. He's got the tablets. And Moses chiseled out two stone tablets. Exodus 34 verse 4. Like the first ones, he went up to Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. And then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. We have a loving, 
patient, slow to anger God that we worship, who forgives wickedness, rebellion and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. See, just because God is slow to anger and abounding in love does not mean that God is not a God uh, that brings judgment on the last day. We need our sin reckoned with. We need God's forgiveness. We need Jesus. We need Jesus to come and live and to die for us on the cross and rise again. We needed that. And in Christ Jesus, we have that, that the debt of sin is done away with. But then that shapes the way we go out and we show that right response is to go out and show that love and forgiveness to others. It shows that we get the magnitude of God's grace and mercy to us. Yet those who abuse the gospel, and it might be a continuing in a pattern of sin, or it might be the hardness of heart, it might be gossip, it might be an unforgiving heart, Those who abuse the gospel, whatever it is, it's to live a life that's inconsistent with the gospel. Those who abuse the gospel, they'll appear before the slain lamb of God. That is a reality. And so this parable serves to remind us how great our debt is before God. We break God's commands. Love God, love your neighbour. We always think we know better than everyone else. We fail constantly and consistently every day. To use the language of this parable, our debt runs into the billions. It's unpayable, that's the point. And seeing this, seeing the magnitude of our debt before God is part of opening the fountain of God's mercy. And that is first base in the gospel. And when we understand the enormity of our own position, that we are not right with God on our own, Maybe that's when the tight grip on our fellow believer's throat, well, surely that's when that grip should begin to loosen. Our only hope is to be truly forgiven out of the free mercy of Christ Jesus. Can we see how lavish and stunning and glorious and rich and even fear-inducing And even thankfulness-inducing, God's mercy is to us as we look at the cross and see our forgiveness there. See, in this God, there is more than enough to forgive. In this God, you have the power to forgive. In this God, you have the resources you need to forgive. To forgive other people, other debtors that we pray about when we pray the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 12, isn't it? We pray that. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. That's our prayer. That's a kingdom prayer. And so Christ's mercy then is like a rushing, rolling, mighty wave. And it doesn't stop with him. And it cannot stop with us either. It doesn't work that way. And so let us lean hard on God's enabling grace. 
to forgive in an unbounded way. Because that's the way God relates to us. That's what God has done for us.